0: Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Well, amen, as we continue to worship together today, let me invite you, let's take the Word of God, let's open the Word of God, let's let's, uh, turn in the Word of God to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1 today, we're going to begin a new sermon series, a new teaching series on Sunday mornings here in the book of Acts. We're going to walk through the text verse by verse, passage by passage as we understand how the movement of God begins with the people of God filled with the Spirit of God. And we're going to see the beginning of the church here today as they are promised the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God within them. I want to thank you guys so much for being here today. It is a joy to worship with you, a joy to gather as his people in spirit and truth. And I I just did not get to to be with you last Sunday. It was a joy for me to go home last Sunday. And so I miss being here with you. Uh, Last Sunday, I was down in Garland, Texas. That's North Dallas. Uh, My dad is the pastor of Freeman Heights Baptist Church. Uh, He has been on staff as pastor at that church for 40 years and they had a big celebration, surprise celebration for him last week. And I got to go down there and celebrate my mom, celebrate my dad, and celebrate their ministry, their legacy, and go to my home church. I got to preach in my home church last Sunday. And um, that was a treat for me to go home to the people who changed my diapers are still there. And uh, they know everything about me. And I love them. And they love me. And, and it was a joy just to go home with my home church. I have two churches. I got my home church I got my family, and so I'm thankful for, for what God has done through that church, what God is doing through this church, and um, I'm just thankful, again, for the legacy of my dad and, and just the way God is working there still. Um, it was really fun to, just to be home. That was the church I was saved at, uh, the church I was baptized at, the church I was called to ministry at, and the church I preached my very first message at, and so it was really, really fun. But it's even better to be here, and so I'm thankful to be here, thankful for the way God is working still. Five people today declaring they've been changed by Jesus. I do not take that for granted. I do not ever, ever, ever take that for granted to see that there is life change still in Jesus' name. And we're going to see the simplicity of that here as we start the book of Acts, as we jump into this series. As you and I know, we, we have seen God do amazing things here. I've seen God do things at this church that I've never seen before in my entire life. I've seen God do things and, and move and change lives and restore marriages that were broken and call people who are wandering far from God back home. I've seen God do things that I've never seen Him do anywhere else. And I want us to see here as we look at that, it's more critical than ever as we follow God that we remain on mission. It's a lot easier to go into maintenance mode. It's go to management mode, right? Because then you're trying to control what is already happening here. But when you're on mission, you're courageous, Right, we're not comfortable. We're not complacent. We're courageous. Right, you can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but you can't be both at the same time. And so we want to be a church that is courageous, and a church that is courageous means this. We will do whatever it takes to move the mission of God forward. Now, we're not focused on pleasing people. We're focused on reaching people. Understand the church does not exist for your preferences. Christ called the church to exist to move to fulfill the Great Commission, Right, to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel, to see people saved and changed by Jesus. And so we want to focus, as we look at the series on the book of Acts, not on pleasing people, but reaching people, and go to the ends of the earth. Turn the world upside down, and as a result, turning it right side up. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand for the reading of God's word, if you will, with me today. Looking at these Spirit-empowered witnesses, we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says this, the first account I compose, and this is the writer Luke. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts, and he's writing to a friend named, it says, Theophilus. His name literally means friend of God. He would also reference him in the gospel of Luke. He is apparently a very important figure in this time period in their context, and he's writing to them this letter to be spread to the churches and about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, what did he do? Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to do what? To wait. To wait for what? Wait for what the Father had promised, which you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He told them to wait. Why did he tell them to wait? Well, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Peter trying to establish the church without the Holy Spirit? All right, that would not go well, would not end well. These guys, seven of them were at least fishermen. They could go on and tell, hey, we can tell that these guys are uneducated, common people. And so without the power of the Holy Spirit, they would have no power to do anything else. And so he said, wait, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, verse 6, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But he says this, here's the promise, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part, the ends of the earth. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he, while he was going, behold, two men, two angels, they stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may have a seat and may his eternal truth today be written upon our hearts. As we look at the beginning of the movement of God here, now establishing a local church and taking that local church to the ends of the earth, I want to see three really important things about the Holy Spirit all right, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one being used to empower the people of God, to be the witnesses, the one establishing the ministry of the gospel, the one pushing the mission forward. And how does he work? We're going to see three things today. Number one, we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. All right, The promise of the Holy Spirit. And what is the promise that we have from the Holy Spirit? Let's go back to our text, verse 4. He says, gathering them together, he commanded, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait For what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Ten days, from, for example, from this time. It's an important time. We'll get there in Acts chapter 2. And so we see there, right here, that he says, I'm going to promise you, you're going to be baptized, but you're going to be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. Baptism Of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the promise of the Holy Spirit? Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's first of all establish this. I think we understand the Holy Spirit is, first of all, He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is also not a force that keeps you from going to the dark side, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is He, and He is God, all right, the Holy Spirit is he, and the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are saved to the Father by the work of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we believe in a triune God. We live from the very beginning of time, God existed as three. That somehow in the kingdom of God, one plus one plus one equals one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one and so we believe that the Holy Spirit, He is God. He is a person, and He is a part of the Trinity. And here's what we also believe about God: we we believe about the Holy Spirit. We meet Him first in Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, verse two. He was at work in creation. Not only was Christ at work in creation, but so was the Holy Spirit in creation, because it says in Genesis one two, the Spirit of God He hovered above the face of the waters. And then from there, in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He empowers the people of God to live out the purposes of God. The Holy Spirit would empower the people of God to live out the purposes of God. How did that work? Well, you remember in the Old Testament, Samson. Samson was just a man. He he was naturally strong, but he was even stronger with the power of the Holy Spirit. so the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Samson would destroy the entire nation of the Philistines, right? Would take them all out. David, another man of God, a man after God's own heart, was the king chosen to to be the man who would be a, a forerunner for Christ. And as King David was doing the ministry, he was anointed and he was, Filled, not filled, but he was overcome with the Holy Spirit. And so we see in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit would only rest upon people. He would only rest upon people, and then he would come off that person. But then the prophecy comes in Joel chapter 2. It shall come to pass afterward that I will what, pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions. Ezekiel 36, the Word of God says, I will give you a new heart. In a new spirit, I will do what? Put within you. Not on top of you, not over you, but within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart, a new heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. So that's the Old Testament. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And then what's the New Testament? What does the New Testament look like? In the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and what do we know about him? Well, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary... Mary conceived the Son of God. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness of temptation for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan in the desert, but he was led out by the Holy Spirit. He was raised by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, if He dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And not only is He raised by the Holy Spirit, but He baptizes. With the Holy Spirit, Matthew three eleven, I baptize you with water for repentance, as John the Baptist talking? But he, Jesus, is coming after me, mightier than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he will baptize you with fire. So here's the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit rested on people. In the New Testament, now from here point moving forward, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in people. That's the difference. He would rest upon people in the Old Testament, but as he is given here to the church, given to believers, he will now take up residence in people. That's going to be a primary difference of the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And so we have this promise. He says, I'm going to promise I'm going to give you the helper. I'm going to give you the one after me. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so here's the promise. The promise is that we now possess his power. That's the promise. The promise from Jesus here is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit My spirit, you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's gonna come on you, he's gonna come in you, and you are gonna possess his power. You have the provision of his power. And I love that because, I mean, think about this. He's he's talking to these guys, and he's like, hey, listen, you're gonna be my witnesses, and you're gonna go to the ends of the earth. I mean, have you can you imagine a more daunting task? Right, for seven common fishermen and, and and you know five other or four other guys, about to be five other guys in a minute. Can you imagine just like the overwhelming task? Like, wait, what? I've, I've not even traveled very far in my life, and you want me to go where? And I'm going to take over the whole entire world through the gospel? Like, this is the plan you have for me? It sounds impossible, but here's a promise. What God demands, God delivers. What he expects, he will provide. And so he's telling them this great big global mission. He gives them this beautiful vision of the gospel, going and taking it to every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every person reached with the hope of Christ. But he says, but you won't do it alone. You're not going to do it on your own. You're not an independent follower of Christ. You're not a self-sufficient follower of Jesus. I will give you the power to go do what I'm calling you to do. And so we see in the New Testament, the ordinary people of God, they are equipped with the word of God. They're empowered by the spirit of God. They're dedicated to the son of God. And now through all those things, they can accomplish the mission of God. So we see the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what's the promise? It's number two, the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, the power of the Holy Spirit. If you scroll down in our text, look at verse eight. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Let's understand the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit's job is to kingdomize you. All right, it's to establish the kingdom of God in your life. On earth, as it is in heaven, He is to establish the kingdom of you, He's to make you a kingdom citizen, right? You are priests. All right, you're a chosen priesthood or royal priesthood. You're chosen by God. He wants to equip you. He wants to fill you, but he wants to kingdomize you. He wants you to make a person of the kingdom living for the king. And so what does the Holy Spirit do? How does he fulfill within us the kingdom of God? Well, he teaches us. Holy Spirit teaches you the things of God. He renews your mind. He convicts you of sin. He calls you, therefore, in that conviction to repentance He produces fruit in your life. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous self-control doesn't come from you. It comes from him. He produces fruit in you. He gives you gifts, he says. He's going to equip you with a gift to be used for his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. Then he seals you, it says in Ephesians. He seals you and he secures you because, hey, once the Holy Spirit moves in, he ain't moving out. He's taking over your life. You're in full surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords by the seal and the security of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of you having the power of the Holy Spirit is to do what? To be witnesses. It's that you will receive power. Why? You shall be my witnesses. The only reason you've been given the power of the Holy Spirit is that you can be obedient to do the word and the will and the ways of God. That's it. That is why he gives us so we can be used by God. Remember, the first thing he tells the disciples to do what? The first time he ever called them was to do what? Follow me, right? That's the first thing he says. Hey, John, James, come on. Y'all follow me. Follow me. Simon, come follow me. Andrew, follow me. He tells them, follow me. And the last thing he tells them is what? Go teach others how to follow me. That's all it is, a great commission, being a witness. I want you to follow me, and then I want you to go, and I want you to teach others how to follow me. That's all it is. I want you to go teach them, baptizing them, evangelizing them. I want you to go and share the good news and to be witnesses. And so we see that that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that's possible to accomplish is by His power and His power alone. So we come to this place of like, that's my commission, and I've been saved, and I've received the Holy Spirit. Man, how do I get it active? How do I get him working in my life? How, how do I feel the power? How, how do I understand the presence? How, how do I get this switch turned on so that I can be an effective witness, so I can be used by God? And that's a great question, and John 16 is going to answer that for us. In John chapter 16, Jesus is teaching and talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. It says in verse 12, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear or bear them now. But when he, again, not it, not force, he, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. All right, the Holy Spirit does not, again, operate on his own. The Holy Spirit's not a rogue person of God. He, he's within the, the, the truth of God, and he does not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and he will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine and therefore I said that he takes of mine, he being the Holy Spirit takes of mine and he discloses it to you. All right, so let's follow that trail really fast. It's a simple understanding for us to know what this looks like. The Father gives it to the Son, the Son gives it to the Spirit and as a born again believer in Christ, the Spirit gives it to you. Right? The Father gives it to the Son, the Son gives it to the Holy Spirit, and the Son or the, Son gives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives it to you. That's how this works. And so what does that mean for us? That the only way we're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is from the truth of the Word of God. Remember in John 4, we're to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Right? Spirit and in truth. That is how we are to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, because the Holy Spirit, he only discloses what he hears. It means this, he only transfers truth. He's not going to tell you things that are opposite of the word of God. He's not going to tell you things that don't make sense to the word of God. He's not going to tell you things and move in new things and people say, well, God told me to do this. Well, if God didn't tell you here, then he didn't tell you there, right? God works within his word because that's how the Holy Spirit works. And so here's what that means. The moment you as a believer in Christ The moment that you deny the word of God, the moment that you disregard the word of God, the moment that you drift from the word of God, and the moment you disobey the word of God is the moment you're disconnected from the power of God. When you deny, when you completely disable, when you drift, when you disobey, when you disregard, you are now disconnected from the power of God himself. You've you've cut the line. I've turned the switch off. And I no longer have a power source. And so when you're, not in, when you're not in obedience to the word of God, the will of God, and the ways of God. Think about that. When I'm not in obedience to the word of God, when I'm not in obedience to the ways of God, and I'm not obedience to the will of God, I have willfully robbed myself of the power of God. Right? That's how that works. That's how, how we see this in the word. And so if you ever wonder why, if you're ever sitting there wondering why, I'm not an effective follower of Jesus. I don't feel the power to overcome sin and temptation in my life. I feel like I don't have any courage to go live for Jesus. I feel like I'm here but it feels stagnant and I feel stale and I feel stuck. Or I'm just not feeling it like I used to anymore. If you're ever in that spot where it just kind of feels like it's not there, then I would ask a simple question. How attached are you to the word of God? How consistent are you to hear God speak through his spirit in his word, right? If you want power, if you want to live a life full of victory, if you want fruit, if you want the freedom that comes from Christ, then you've got to abide in the word. You've got to live in the word. You've got to hear the word. you got to do the word. You've got to understand that the power is not in disregarding the word. The power is in dedication to the word. And so we see the promise of the Holy Spirit revealed to us in the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us number three, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's not just here for us to, to, to have and not just here for us to gather. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose, and that's in verse 8 again. You're going to receive the power when he comes upon you, and he's going to come upon us very soon in Acts chapter 2, and you're going to receive this power so that you can be my witnesses. You can be my witnesses. You are gonna be the ones to hear, the ones to tell, You're the ones to go. You can be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Can can I just encourage you today? The greatest purpose that you've ever been given in your entire life is to tell people about Jesus. There's nothing greater that you can accomplish. No, no matter your legacy of a business, no matter your legacy of what you've gained, no matter your legacy of what you've achieved, the greatest purpose that you can ever have, the greatest thrill that you can ever seek, the greatest thing you can ever accomplish is that you have gone out and told people all about Jesus. That's it. There's nothing more exciting, right? I mean, think about the courage you've got to build up to go share the gospel, Think about just like you're on edge like this. I'm I'm riding the line between eternity right here. Someone I'm sharing with is either going to deny or they're going to receive. And I can't wait to see what God does through my witness. I mean, you are literally telling people good news of life or death, heaven or hell. Eternity is on the line every time you have a gospel-centered conversation. What's more exciting than that? So What's more exciting than eternity? We we risk stuff for things that, that are safe, but how unsafe is this? There's nothing greater than you can do, than to tell someone about Jesus. And understand, God's plan for reaching the nations, it's not going to be a big church, it's not going to be a cool ministry, it's not going to be johnvenable.com, right? It's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be ordinary people of God, going faithfully, telling people about the passionate pursuit, persuading them to come to Christ. And so understand this, you are God's method, You're it. God chose you. God equips you. God empowers you. God uses you. You just have to be willing to go. And so we're going to see this. We receive the good news and then we repeat the good news. That's all it is. To be a witness. What does it mean for me to be a witness? I receive the good news and then I repeat the good news. Think about all the things that you talk about every single day that don't matter a single bit in eternity, right? Right? It was fun for me. I talk about all stuff that, matter, that doesn't matter all the time. For example, last Sunday I wasn't here with you, but last Saturday, I don't know if y'all know this, but Texas beat Alabama, all right? I didn't get to share the joy of that with you guys. As an avid Texas Longhorn fan, some of y'all might leave right now, but listen, I didn't get to tell y'all about how exciting that was, right? I didn't get to kind of see Brother Sid, because he's an Alabama guy, and like, hey, Brother Sid, I'm so sorry, Humble brag, right? I didn't get to do any of that. I talk about stuff that doesn't matter all the time. But but how much more should I talk about the stuff that does matter the most? Christ, his church, right? His glory, that there is a Savior that was sent by God. People who were separated, people who were stuck in sin, people who were stuck in shame. There's all kinds of people who are far from God, who feel like they have no hope and no chance and no life. But Christ comes, and he died in our place. He died for our sin. He died for our shame. He died for our guilt. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, believing in Christ, confessing their sin, repenting of their sin, that person, when they take those steps, that person can and will be saved. And we are the people. We are the persons that God says, I want you to go and tell everyone about it. I want you to go and tell people there's a savior for sin, right? That Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to save those who were sinners. He came so that none should perish, but everyone should come to Christ. That is his desire, and he uses you to go share the good news. And so we're going to see this kind of take home here that the unfinished work of the church is to tell the world about the finished work of Christ. The unfinished work of the church, it's our job, it's what we're left here to do, is tell the world about the finished work. Work of Christ. Martin Luther would say, It wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no one ever heard about it. It wouldn't matter if Jesus died a thousand times if no one ever told. How can they hear unless there's a messenger? Romans chapter 10. We're faithful ones to go. We are the ones who must go. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is looking at the crowds and he looks up on them with compassion. They're sheep without a shepherd. And he says, Hey, pray for the laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Understand that that people are hungry and people are willing. It's not that people aren't willing to receive. It's more so we're not willing to go. So he says, pray for the laborers that they will go into the harvest Pray that you and I will feel a motivation to go share the good news that we've been saved and they can be saved too. Pray that there's gospel, right? that there's a savior, that there is eternal life and there's forgiveness of sin. That No matter who you are, what you've done, Christ can save you. Pray that we'll be the ones who go take it to every part of our earth. This past week, on Tuesday night, um, God's at work, you know, we, we've seen God work in this place. You know, a couple Sundays ago, we saw 23 people respond uh, to the gospel in salvation and baptism, right? We saw a mighty move of God even just within our presence. Uh, but this past Tuesday, God's working not just here, He's working everywhere. Uh, this past Tuesday at Auburn University in Alabama, uh, we see that God was at work in a college ministry. On a Tuesday night, thousand kids, college kids, gathered for worship. And at the end of the service, one of the college kids just texts a leader all right, one of the ministry leaders said, hey man, listen, I'm feeling convicted. I need to get baptized tonight. Can I be baptized tonight? Leader organized it. Yeah, maybe we can get baptized tonight. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to find somewhere to get baptized. And word started spreading. They were going to do a baptism. And so what they did is the college students left the campus, left their arena. They walked over a mile, all right, over a mile to a pond and a barn. All right, and there they were in this middle of this pond. They just gathered some trucks around the pond with with headlights to light up the area, and 200 college students responded in salvation and baptism on a random Tuesday night. Now, leading up to that, for five weeks, a small group of girls at 6 a.m. every Friday morning gathered on their campus to pray for Revival. Prior to that as well, there was a young man who's supposed to make it to the Tuesday night worship, but he couldn't make it. He had something come up, and so as they're heading to this barn or heading to this pond, they text him, hey, bro, listen, you got to show up. People are getting baptized, and he texted back, I'm already here. God kind of pushed me. God prompted me to take my guitar and to come sit at this pond and wait for one person to show up, and I've been waiting for whoever God's going to send right now. He led them in worship the entire baptism service until midnight. He was already there, independent of anything else. We see that the unfinished work of the church is to tell the world about the finished work of Christ. And all we got to do is go tell them, right? All we got to do is go tell them. We have everything we need, we just need courage to go. There's a story about a, a local man who was a local legend fisherman. And he would go out every day and every week and come back with a huge catch every single time. And people were were just gathering. They're always amazed at this guy. Kind of like Caleb. We got Caleb over here. He's he's our local legend. He's a fishing machine over here. He fishes for fish. He also fishes for men. We love Caleb. He's the man. This man would go out. And this one day, they're all gathered at the docks talking about fishing that day, all the men of the town. And this guy comes and says, hey, man, listen, I'm amazed at what you do. I want to come out and fish with you. Would you take me fishing today? So they go out fishing and this guy and this visitor out there in the middle of the pond and as they're fishing their reels, he he says, you know what? I'm going to try another activity here. He tries another method. He grabs a stick of dynamite from under his seat, lights it, throws it in the water, stick sinks to the bottom and boom, explodes and all these fish pop up to the top, right? He starts scooping them up with a net and the man is like, bro, I'm impressed. But you're in big trouble. I'm a warden, right? And here is my badge. And I, I got bad news, brother. You, you are going to get fined big time. You might even have some time, dude. This is bad news for you. And the guy sitting there, not a word spoken, doesn't even look up, grabs under a seat, lights another stick of dynamite, hands it to the guy and says, hey, listen, you going to talk or are you going to fish? <laughs> you and I have been given a stick of dynamite. Life-changing gospel truth. That could light someone's life up, blow it up, and never leave them the same again. And you and I are the only things we have to do is go make sure it gets done, right? So are you gonna stare into the sky or are you gonna go do something about it? So would we go faithfully, share the good news of Jesus, let it blow up and see a mighty move of God because the gospel's sufficient. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the Word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.